Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. I would, I would maybe just watch TV or sit around the house. Uh, no. Actually, arcades. Arcades. Mm-hmm. Is that where you usually play Pac-Man? Nope. No. You play at home? Yeah. I would, I wouldn't spend it on anything. I would um, give it to the poor. Mm. That's a giving. Uh, I dream about like a lot of stuff. Like what? A lot of stuff. Can you, can you give me an example? Like sometimes Like I dream about playing in the house, and and if I was actually in an action story. Mm, that's awesome. Well, I want to be a movie director. That's awesome. Why do you want to be a movie director? Because I want to make movies. Mm-hmm. What kind of movies do you know? I'm just I'm gonna make some action movies. There we go. What a strong answer to that question. Can we give a round of applause to our kids and our families who have made these videos happen over the past couple weeks? Hey, welcome to Round Rock. My name is Zane. I'm one of the ministers on staff. And today we're finishing a series that we call Keep Dreaming. And in this series, we're asking the final question of how will, oh, oh, we have the lights today. I thought we set the mood this morning. I was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling it. I feel it. We're asking the question, how will we know? So we're not the only ones asking this question. This was actually a question that Virginia Lively asked with her life at one point. Virginia found herself in 1891 asking the question, how will I know? Virginia had reached the absolute bottom rung of life. She had hit the bottom floor and it was filled with tears of grief. And in this massive amounts of grief that she found herself, she recorded an encounter. And this encounter was one that she would later say she experienced the dream of God in her life. But I'm going to let her tell the story from here. Here's how she recounts it. Maybe. There we go. He was perfect. He being someone was in the room with her. He was perfect, she thought to herself. His forehead was high. His eyes were large. But she could not fix their color any more than she could the color of the sea. His features were lost in the overwhelming impression of life, brimming over with power and freedom. Instantly in the room with her, she knew that this was Jesus. And she saw his utter lack of nation. Nothing she had ever done 
or ever could do could alter the absolute caring or unconditional love in his eyes. That day, Virginia Lively believes that Jesus sat next to her. And as quick as Jesus came, he also left. And she asked a question that was very similar to the questions that was asked in the Gospels when people saw Jesus. She asked, how will I know that you will stay with me? And she did not get an answer. Now, the reaction to this moment by the world was very mixed, just as I would assume our reactions to this story would also be very mixed. Some of us would absolutely say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that was Jesus. Others of us would be very skeptical to be like, no, like <laughs> you can't take that instance and just assume that that is Jesus. The burning question is, how do you know an encounter like that is a real story? How do you even know that? And this isn't even the end of the story because Virginia Lively goes on to say way later, for years she felt like that story was true. So she was convicted by her life and she went and she started speaking about grief and how God had intersected into her life with that grief. And she said at one point she was telling her story and she encountered Jesus again. But this time when she saw Jesus, she saw Jesus through the eyes of a woman who was on the second row of her speaking. And in her testimony, she says in that moment when she saw the eyes of that woman and saw that it was Jesus, she knew that God's dream for her was to be a person who would share about grief and talk about how God is in the midst of that grief. And from her life forward, she knew that was God's dream for her. Wouldn't that be awesome to experience? What do you do with a story like that? What do you do when you hear stories of people saying that they've had mystical encounters or dreams with God? How do you handle an experience like that? Like, is that just wish fulfillment? Is that emotion that's going on? Did she have some bad pizza the night before and she's seeing this vision? Or is God doing something? And maybe more importantly, for those of us who have never had a dream or a vision or experience with God like that before, the question we ask is, what does that say about us? Can God still dream with us as well? Here's the final question of keep dreaming this morning, is how do you know when God is asking you to enter into a dream? That God has. Now, if you think that story's crazy, you buckle up your seatbelt because we're about to read one in Scripture today that's even crazier. If you're able to this morning and you're willing, would you be willing to stand for the reading of God's Word? And I'm going to give you a warning. We're in Acts 16, and I'm going to read you a little bit different translation than the NIV because I want you to capture, I want you to feel what the story is is in this one, okay? We're going to start in Acts 16, for those of you following along. Acts 16, verse 6. So they, they would be Paul and his partners, okay? His broski one Kenobis, the people that he was moving through life with, they, 
they went to Phrygia and then on through the region of Galatia. And there was a plan to turn west into the Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked their route. We're going to come back to that. So they went to Mycenae, and they tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. What is going on here? Proceeding us through Mycenae, they went down to the seaport of Troas, and that night Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. He went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. He knew now for sure that God had called him to preach the good news over in the land of Macedonia. Putting out for the harbor at Troas, he made straight run for Smotherus. And the next day he tried up to a new city and he walked from there to Philippi, the main city that was a part of Macedonia and even more importantly, a Roman colony. He lingered there for several days and on the Sabbath, they left the city and they went down to the river where they heard that there was a prayer meeting. He took the place alongside the river with the women who had gathered there and talked. And one woman, Lydia, who was a dealer of expensive cloths or textiles, known to be a God-fearing woman as she listened with intensity to what was being said. The master gave her a trusting heart and she believed the gospel. This is the word of God for us this morning. You can have a seat. There is a ongoing discussion in my marriage right now. An ongoing discussion that I may say may be a heated discussion every once in a while. Mainly you know that my spouse and I are going to come into this heated discussion anytime we get in a car or we're going to be traveling a long ways with one another. Mainly because my wife is still under the false impression that the best map app out there is Google Maps. Okay, and I feel that we need to pray for her this morning because in a world of Apple Maps, why would you ever choose to be directed by Google Maps? The precision, the detail, the way it tells you what lane to enter into to be able to go to your destination makes it the superior map app of all of them. And at one point I told her, I go, if the Lord was choosing a map app, he would choose the Apple map app for sure. Now, here's what I want to paint to you today. As you hear the story from Acts, God, when it comes to traveling, does not tend to work that, the way that we prefer. As a matter of fact, God would probably not choose Google Maps or the Apple Maps at all. Because God doesn't travel the way that we prefer. Did you notice at the beginning of this text, Paul tries to go to multiple places. And he just keeps rerouting the entire time. Just for your history to know, to move from Galatia to Phrygia would have been two to three weeks of travel. Just to realize you're not in the right place. Some of you don't even leave the couch if you don't have the remote with you. Okay, 
two to three weeks of travel. Apparently, life with God, God is fine with rerouting us over and over and over again. Paul ends up in Troas, which Troas would have been Paul's third choice of where to go. In essence, Paul does not get his preference with the journey of God, which is massive for us. Dorothea Greco, who I quoted last week, she says, when it comes to our dreams with God, we spend the first half of our lives working out our own preferences when it comes to our dreams to be able to actually understand God's dreams. And Luke is very clear. Luke's writing this passage saying that when it comes to life with God, Paul has a preference and God is not moving with that preference, but God is still working with Paul. And the way that Paul is working with God is through the Spirit of God. Now this passage in Acts is very clear with one thing. There's a lot of ambiguous things, but here's the one clear thing. That the dreams of God do not happen without the Spirit of God in them. Now, when we talk about the Spirit of God, we tend to talk about the Holy Spirit like the Holy Spirit is like our uncle that we see once a year at Thanksgiving, which, congrats, you're going to see him later this week. Sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't know what to say about the Spirit because we can't identify the Spirit the same way that we do with the Father or with the Son. Now, if you're new to Christianity, here's the way that Christians talk about the unique composure and way of the Lord. We talk about God in a very unique way. That God is one essence, three persons. That the Spirit of God is the presence and power of God within creation. Not creation in and of itself, within creation. And the Spirit of God, watch it close, the Spirit of God helps us move beyond our preferences to bring about God's preferred future in the world. If you have ever heard something about Christian faith or Christianity, you've been like, Psh, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I won't do that. If you've ever had those thoughts before, there's good news for you this morning. You are never able to do those things on your own in the first place. That the work of God in your life is that when it comes to the things that God calls you to do, you are not alone in doing those things. The Spirit of God helps you move past your preferences. And in this moment, you see the Spirit of God leading Paul to a way that he's moving to Troas, which isn't his preferences, but he's moving about it. And you know what? We're all mechanical people, so here's our next question that we have about the Spirit in this text. We're like, awesome, great, I got it. How's the Spirit lead us? How's the Holy Spirit lead this group of... I mean, did you notice it? The Spirit blocked them? What is this? Is this a Chiefs game going on right now? Oh, thank God you did it. I appreciate that. I need that. I need that. How is the Spirit of God directing and... We are so how people that we want to know, was it a word of prophecy? Was it within prayer? Was it just this internal feeling that Paul and their group kind of hat what does it mean for the holy spirit to lead and we are such how mechanical people that we're like i want to know the nitty-gritty of how that happened and sometimes the best question to give it is not 
how does the Holy Spirit lead us? But where does the Holy Spirit lead us? To know if the Spirit is at work with us. One of the underlying questions that's been this series that I've waited till the very end to be able to address is just asking the question, how does the Spirit of God work with our dreams? Now, when I've talked about dreams, I've talked about dreams basically in a metaphorical way. A deep desire that you have within yourself. A drive to see a vision for the future. Something that you feel that's laid upon your heart. But some of you have actually reached out to me and you've said, I actually think that I have a word or dreams that I've experienced in my life. And I want to know how to navigate that. How do I know if the Holy Spirit can be working with me in the dreams that I have? And I want to address that for a moment. It's, it's an important question. I want to attend, move your attention to Scripture. God's people have always been dreamers. Okay, When we look through the library of Scripture, over and over again, different stories of people who dream. Solomon, Jacob, Pilate's woman. Peter, Joseph, Daniel, Abimelech, Joseph, this would be Joseph, the father of Jesus. All these people, as you encounter Scripture, you cannot go through Scripture without stumbling upon a dream. But here's the thing about dreams. Not all dreams are of God or have anything to do with God. Sometimes dreams can just be our own wish fulfillment. Sometimes it can just be our emotion that's driving us. Sometimes it can be the bad pizza that we had the night before. Jeremiah in chapter 23 actually says this, I've heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They said, I had a dream. I had a dream. But how long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their dreams? There's a warning when it comes to dreams. A caution that comes to dreams. Dreams can deceive, but they can also lead. But in the Christian faith, we've always said that dreams are something that we have to discern. A way of describing the word discern is just to say dreams are something that we weigh. We evaluate. We ask. And one of the things that we do in a world where there are so many different spirits that are working about sending us different directions, we can be confident that the Holy Spirit always points us back to Jesus. And in regards to our modern dreaming, I want to just expand our world in thinking about this because across the world, across Christianity, this is a conversation. It has been noted within the Muslim faith community that it is not rare for some people to actually encounter Jesus in their dreams. This is actually the story that Nabil Qureshi actually tells in Seeking Allah But Finding Jesus. He documents a story in which he encounters Jesus three different times in a dream. And you know what he did? He didn't believe it. Basically, he was the epitome of what it looks like to discern and to weigh a dream. At first, he thought, these dreams are symbolic. Then he thought to himself, these dreams are temptations. Then he thought to himself, these dreams may just be my own fulfillment and desire. And it was only until he had a Christian friend that came in and said, 
You know, the God of the Bible came to different people in dreams. And it was only through a long process of discerning those dreams did he come to the conclusion that Jesus was approaching him and moving towards him. Here's the question to ask if you're discerning a dream and if it has anything to do with God. To ask the question, does this dream push me towards Jesus or does it push me away from Jesus? An even greater question may be able to ask, does this push back on what Jesus says or anything that the Bible has ever said? Or does this propel me? Does it move me forward in the things that I'm called to with my faith? And I want to bring you back to the text. In this moment, you know that the Spirit of God is leading and working in Paul because it pushes him the same way that Jesus in person would have pushed Paul. It pushes Jesus and his mission with Paul. Now, in Acts 16 verse 10, when you get a glimpse of this dream, it's not what you would necessarily expect. You actually see the text that says that after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready to leave at once to Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel together. This is just extra, okay? I'm not going to charge you for this one. God had called us to preach. In the original text, that would be a we, a inclusive, we concluded, we decided. means that a dream should never be decided just alone. It should be with other faith-following believers. But Macedonia, come on, Macedonia. Here's the thing about Macedonia. If you were to look at Macedonia, Macedonia would not be the place that you would think that the mission of Jesus was being called to. In essence, because you look at that town, everything had it together. Macedonia was mainly a place that was known for doctors and tutors of the day. They had architecture. They had art. They had philosophy. They're very close to Austin, okay? They had things together. But here's the most powerful thing about what the Spirit of God pushes Paul's people to do. In Macedonia, Paul's dream with Jesus is one that doesn't look at the outward appearance, but looks at the inward cry and ache of people. That there is the Spirit of God seeing the cry, the ache, and the pointing of God's work already happening in that place. There's a Latin American writer who she actually records what we think of a lot of times when we think about the work of God. She tells this story that I think is very helpful for us to keep in mind. She was talking about at one point she was at the Honduras airport and she was standing with a friend who had lived in Honduras her entire life. And as she was watching for different people to come off the plane, at one point she saw a group of Americans get off of the plane. And this group of Americans was obviously a group that was a missions group. And she said there was a very strange, weird, chilling irony when they got off the plane. In English, mind you, their t-shirts said, bringing Jesus to Honduras. 
And she said without even a flinch, her friend next to her that had lived in Honduras her entire life asked her genuinely, she said, do you think they think that Jesus isn't already here with us? Sometimes when we think about the work of God, we get confused that we think that we take God somewhere else where God isn't. And that's not how the work of God is displayed. We do not bring God anywhere. We help reveal where God is everywhere. We do not take God to different places. God is in every place and is working in those places and inviting us to come to those places. This would match with the words of Jesus in John 5.17 who says, My Father is at work in the world and I am too. When we look around us, the question is not, who do I need to bring Jesus to? The question is, where is Jesus already working? And how can I join Jesus in that? Did you notice the language of the text? The language of the text when Paul experiences the dream is that he's called to cross over. That he is not to stay where he is and think or help, but he is to cross over and go with. Here's one of the ways that I would love for us to think about it. Samuel Wells talks about what it means for you to hop into the dreams of God. And he says, one of the ways that we have to think about this is that we have to reflect that the most important word in the Bible is the word with. That this is one of the most important things to understand when it comes to talking about God. But we tend to be people that are for people. Okay, Let me tell you where the instinct of this comes in. You and I love to be fixers. We like to fix things. We like to be someone that says, I know that there's things that's messed up in the world and I want to fix it. But sometimes our instinct is we want to do things for people. We do not always want to do things with people. And we have to remember that the gospel that we claim is a gospel that says God did not just do something for us in Jesus Christ but that God actually came to be with us through Jesus Christ, which means that we should do things for people, but we should also do things with people. We do not just do things for the poor. We do things with the poor. We do not just do things for people at church. We do things with people at church. When it comes to life with God, we don't just do things for God. We do things with God because God is at work all around us and has dreams for us all around us, but it requires us to be with. Did you notice when this dream comes to be true with Lydia, did you notice that Paul dreams of a man, but who he encounters is a woman? That he has this dream of this man waving to him. But it's actually a woman who God is converting. And Acts is very clear on this. This is God's work of converting her in this place. There should be moments in our faith where if we cross over into something we are unknown or unfamiliar with, we should run into people that we're uncomfortable or unfamiliar with. Just to inventory us really fast. Thinking about we should run into people 
who are at a higher status economically than us. And we should also run into people that are lower economic status than us. We should run into people of different faiths. We should also run into people who share the same faith, but differ in what those core convictions are. We should run into people who are different political parties. We should also run into people who are the same political party, but have different objectives or priorities than we have. We should run into people of different ethnic background. We should also run into people of the same ethnic background, but have different views of us when it comes to ethnic background. If you follow Jesus long enough, you will be asked at some point to cross over. That you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to cross over and experience God's dream in life. Christians are often known for drawing lines. They aren't known very often for crossing over those lines that they've drawn. And when I think of this list for my own life, none of these people are my preference as far as how I want to go. I want to be comfortable. I want to work with my preference. And if we do life with the Spirit of God long enough, the Spirit of God will push us to move past our preferences to be able to cross over and experience something new. Now, here's the good news of Jesus Christ is that there is no guilt when it comes to this. And even at times when we have failed at this, the good news is that Jesus is working within us. If you think about the very end of John's Gospel, after all the disciples peace out and they leave Jesus when they should have stayed by His side, Jesus comes back and He does not rebuke them. He does not recap their failures. You know what He does instead? John says he breathes on them the Holy Spirit and then he sends them out into the mission of God. That's Jesus' posture towards us. That Jesus will ask his disciples, the dreams that I have of heaven and earth coming together, there's going to be a reality in which you're going to cross over into things that are uncomfortable and things that aren't your preference, but my spirit is going to be with you and empower you in a way that you have never experienced before. This is the power of God in our lives, which I would say, if you're looking for the dreams of God, a really easy way in your life is any time that you run into something that's uncomfortable or that's difficult, is to just take a breath and just pray a simple prayer that just says, Holy Spirit, help me cross. Can I get in our business for a little bit of how this may happen? Sure, Zane, sure, sure, sure. I, I've learned that I, I shouldn't ask y'all questions because y'all aren't playing with me. Let me imagine with you for a minute how this may apply to your life. I would imagine some of you this week are going to go and be with family who you fundamentally disagree with or you have been hurt by in the past. And one of the temptations you may have is to be defensive or to deflect this week. And what if God's dream for you was to actually lean in, to ask, how can I see the world the way that they see the world? And ask and help 
What is God already doing? What if you were to pray, Holy Spirit, help me cross this relationship in a new way? I know for some, maybe not for all, but this past week, for our brothers and sisters of color, some of us are out of breath after what has happened in our nation. When it came to the decision that was too last minute with Julius Jones this week, I would imagine some of us have not even heard about what happened this week. And that there would be an opportunity to breathe deeply when it comes to conversations that are difficult and hard to take a deep breath and ask the Spirit to help us cross over. If you haven't heard about Julius Jones this week, I would say that is your first step to be able to learn, not go ask, but to go learn why for this week was there so much stress and emotional trauma for some of our brothers and sisters of color this week because of our collective history in the past? What if God asked you to cross over? I would imagine some of you have coworkers or friends who do not share life with Jesus yet, who they know you share life with Jesus, and they're waiting for you to mention something or say something. What if it were empowering for you to be able to say, Spirit, help me cross over. I would imagine, as we continue to talk about this bowl of dreams that's setting here, there's over 300 dreams in this. I would imagine for some of you who have been in this church for a while, you are going to hear some dreams that you're going to think, we've already been there. We've already done that. We're never going to be a church that's going to do X. Or do why? And what if God is asking you to take a deep breath with His Spirit and actually cross over and think maybe God is going to do something this next year with Live Love Chapter 2. I like to call it Live Love Volume 2. But as we discern as a congregation and dream together, are we willing to cross over in ways that God may be doing something? Here is the gospel we hold on to. That in the difficulty and the obstacles that you had in between you and God, in Jesus Christ, God conquered and stepped over all of those obstacles. Which means this, you can dream with God. If Jesus stepped over the difficulties and the obstacles of the world to get to us, we can cross over as well. We can do this, church. There's a spirit that guides us in this place. Dreaming requires crossing, but we do not cross alone. We have each other, and we also have the Spirit of God moving us forward. I'm going to go ahead and invite one of our leaders, uh, Ken, if you wouldn't mind coming up. And I'm going to end this series by actually reading a blessing over you. I'd like to ask you to stand if you're able to. These are the words that Christians long ago, the early church had these words spoken over them. And it comes from the mouth of Peter. This morning, I want to speak these words over us as well. This is in Acts 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And get this, your old men will dream dreams. 
This was so with the early church. May this also be so with us this next coming year. Ken? Uh, you guys can go ahead and be seated. Sorry. Uh, saying thank you so much uh, for the message and for that blessing over this church. Um, as Zane said, I'm Ken Cole. I'm one of the elders here at Round Rock Church of Christ. Uh, first off, I want to thank you guys for being here this morning, for joining us in worship. Uh, and as we're, we're wrapping up the uh, Keep Dreaming series, we want to thank you all so much for participating in such a candid and genuine way. Uh, week after week, we have been both surprised and energized uh, with, with the number of responses that we've received throughout this series. Uh, we want you to know that we hear you and we appreciate you. Uh, last week, Zane asked us, what dream do you have for Round Rock Church of Christ? You know, all the dreams that have been turned in, we have been, uh, we've been praying for. Staff and leadership uh, have been going through them, uh, saying prayers over, over each of those. Uh, there are a few right here, though, that I would like to share with you, and then we will pray over them. My dream for Round Rock Church of Christ is that we become unified in Christ, no matter our political views, our race, etc., that we truly be a place to welcome people home. My dream for Round Rock Church of Christ is that we, that we would become more focused on bringing others to Christ than in our own interests. My dream for this church is that the next generation of women will look a lot like the women we have leading in many of the behind-the-scenes activities. The K's, Katie's, Georgine's, Patty's, Tony's, etc., of this church that have fun together, and I dream that this continues. My dream for this church is that it would be a leader in having the hard, messy conversations necessary for systemic change, and then to take action with other faith communities and organizations. My dream for Round Rock Church of Christ is to have a higher percentage of member involvement to see more faces leading class on stage and behind the scenes. I dream for Round Rock Church of Christ to be a home of healing, wholeness, and encounter. I dream for her people to have deep, sweet, tender, tenacious, intimate relationship with Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I dream for a greater level of breakthrough in worship and for voices who have long been silenced to find and release their roar. My dream for this church is that it continue to be a place where new people do not stay new for long. My dream for Round Rock Church of Christ is that it will be a place where people feel comfortable to worship the way they feel called to worship raising hands, kneeling, etc. Please stand as we pray over the dreams of this church. Our Heavenly Father, author of our story, creator, inspiration, 
and giver of dreams. We offer up to you and lay at your feet all of our dreams for Round Rock Church of Christ. Dreams for unity in all things, for bringing people home to meet and to fall in love with you. Dreams for another generation of women and men that cannot stop serving, sacrificing, and living love, and doing so with celebration and with joy. Dreams for courage, for talking about and for fighting against the unfairness, injustice, and prejudices that have become a part of this world for far too long. Dreams for wholeness and connection with you and with one another as we worship you fully and in truth. We set before you also, Lord, all other dreams that have been written down on these cards and those that have just been written on our hearts. God, we must give you praise and thanksgiving for providing each of us with the courage to dream. We ask, Lord, that you give us even more courage, the courage to be passionate, to act, to be used by you, to be with you in bringing these dreams to fruition. Thank you for sharing with us your vision of what your church could be. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring us and giving us a never-ending thirst to change and to be changing into what you have envisioned for us as individuals and as a church. Help us, Holy Spirit, to cross over. We set all this before you, our loving Father, trusting in your promises, your design, and your holy will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this prayer. Amen. Go and live love.